It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Monday Night Sports Talk. We are with you until... 6 o'clock this evening, and that number is 217-356-9397, as Gene Honda said in the opening. Matt Daniels is with us, the sports editor of the News Gazette, basketball beat writer Scott Ritchie here as well. Bob Osmussen is off again this week, and uh, Matthew, you doing all right? Uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. The sun rose this morning. Nice day outside here, weather-wise, but uh, obviously uh, abrupt and, and disappointing ending for uh, a memorable Illinois men's basketball season that uh, the better team won yesterday in the in the game. So uh, I know we'll dissect it throughout the the show, but hats off to Loyola they uh, they outplayed Illinois yesterday. Certainly, the better team yesterday won, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, and uh, they had quite a scheme. I felt. Uh, they did a good job in game planning for Illinois, and the, Scott Ritchie, the Illini didn't adjust to, to being hit in the mouth right out of the gate. No, they, they really didn't. And, I mean, I think the, the most surprising thing to me wasn't that Loyola won. I mean, there was a a reality in this universe where that, that could have happened, certainly. I mean, they had a really good season. But uh, the surprise was that Illinois was just really never in that game. Uh, I mean, Loyola got out to that, what, 9-2 lead, and for all intents and purposes, game was over at that point. I mean, Illinois would have, you know, clawed back to within, like, six on a couple occasions in the second half, but then Loyola always had an answer, and, you know, they did what uh, hardly anyone in the Big Ten was able to do, and that was bottle up Io Desumu. I mean, they did not let him get to his right, Um you know, sort of the the running joke was, you know, make him go left, and then, you know, he hit the game winner going left at Penn State last season. Um, just to, the exasperation of Pat Chambers on that on that broadcast. But um, I just – he did not play his best game. You know, Kofi Coburn had 21 points, but uh, he really struggled against Cam Krautwig. It was just – it was not well. Like Brad Armstrong, it was not Illinois' day. But like that's the worst time to not for it not to be your day. Well, you're going to have a game in any basketball season. There is going to be a worst game of the season. You'd like to have that early. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you're going to have one at all, you'd like to have that maybe in December or even early in the conference season. You don't want it in March. Yeah, and Illinois just didn't look comfortable yesterday uh, throughout the, in, the entire game. Like Scott said, they, they were down 9-2 early, and they could never really get in a rhythm. And uh, Loyola just dictated the, the pace of the game and, and the style of the game and how they wanted to play. And I mean, Illinois only got two fast break points uh, the entire game, which is not playing to the strengths. But again, they just did not – they never seemed to look like they were playing with kind of that same energy, that same confidence, that same – 
even when Illinois had trailed this season, you kind of always felt, or even in close games, you always kind of felt that Illinois was going to come up with a way to, to find a way to pull out pull out a win. And yesterday, even though, you know, at the end of the first half when, um, you know, Coburn had that big alley-oop dunk from, off the pass from Curbelo and got it to nine, and maybe you're seeing some momentum there. And then they cut it to six a few times in the second half. It just never felt, though, that they could eventually find their way to – to, I mean, Loyola just did a, a heck of a job, and I know this stings for Illinois fans, and, and rightfully so, considering what the past four months have brought, but if you're a basketball fan at all, or just even a sports fan, you have to admire the way Loyola played the oh, game yeah. yesterday. I mean, the, just the way they just did whatever they wanted to do offensively, and really, I mean, they lived up to their billing as the the top defensive team in the country by, by shutting down Iodesumu and the Illini. In games today, already in the books, another Big Ten team is out. Iowa lost to um, seven-seed Oregon, ninety-five to eighty. Gonzaga beat number eight Oklahoma, eighty-seven seventy-one. So that improving Iowa defense didn't last long, did it, Scott? <laughs> no, and I mean they really did play better defense in the last two, three weeks of the regular season, um, somewhat into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, not sure where that went. I mean, Oregon's a, a really good team, so I mean, they were going to probably get their points. But I mean, Iowa gave up, f- I think fifty four, fifty six in the first half, uh, and Luka Garza had like, like twenty two by that point. But like, and he had thirty six for the game, and like they weren't anywhere close to competing, even with Luka kind of being at his best. So, uh, the one thing that everyone thought was going to cripple Iowa this season turns out to be the one thing that ended their season. Um, so uh, the Big Ten's hopes now rest with Michigan and Maryland, and I mean, Michigan does not have an, an easy draw. I think LSU is a team I think can get super hot, especially you know freshman guard Cam Thomas. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, Maryland's – I've never been super impressed by Maryland all season, yet they find a way to win these games. But uh, They've I, got Alabama next. Yeah, and uh, Alabama's a team that could – that at one point this season hit like 23 three-pointers in the game. Um, I, I think the Big Ten's run very well could end today, and that's wild. Here's something you wouldn't have bet on even last week. Loyola, Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. And it was almost Rutgers. One of those teams is going to the Final Four. Uh, and Rutgers, yeah, they just kind of – gave that game They probably should have been. Tinkled yeah, down their leg there in the uh, – <laughs> <laughs> they tinkled before they could face Wayne Tinkle, possibly in the Elite Eight, the, the Oregon State coach. And, yeah, it just goes to, to prove that's the the beauty and also the absurdity of, of March Madness. You know, I was thinking yesterday afternoon if Illinois, Loyola, Chicago played a best-of-seven series like the NBA playoffs, I, I think Illinois would come out in ahead in that series. Maybe in six games or seven games, I think Loyola would win a couple more, but I think Illinois would have been able to make the – proper adjustments necessary to go against that type of style if you if you were to play them in a seven game series but then again that's the beauty of March Madness I think that's why we love it all too is just one game and so much depends on matchups and coaching styles and philosophies of programs and I know we can get into it too about Loyola being an eight seed maybe they probably shouldn't have been an eight seed but that's where the committee put them so it's just uh all the all the ingredients for an Illinois loss just kind of manifested itself uh, yesterday at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. I agree with you on the 
adjustments and but how many games did they watch of yeah. of uh Loyola throughout the season and if Loyola was in the Big 10 you know teams would adjust to that because you see them so much you see that kind of uh, play that each team has so yes but you still got to be able to do it within a game no exactly and and some troubling I wouldn't say troubling but just some concerns from from yesterday and Scott, I know you touched on it in, in your Inside Illini Basketball podcast, episode number 143, wherever you can find podcasts. There we get the plug out of the way early. Beat me to it. <laughs> um, you can say it later in the show if you want, Scott. But Do you have that written down? I mean, you, you, you rattled <laughs> that off it on a well. promo sheet we bring in with us into the studio, Steve. <laughs> Kofi Coburn had 21 points, nine rebounds as the uh, leading scorer in the game, but he did not look comfortable when he would get double teamed passing out of it or even trying to fight his way through it. I know he had a couple traditional three-point opportunities, but that is that to me is kind of one of the big takeaways. I, obviously, I would assume he struggled offensively. He's only scored nine points, but just... Well, the double team hurt him. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, teams it, have double teamed him before. Exactly. But. Well, just the way that Loyola blitzed every Illinois ball screen. You right. Know, mm-hmm. They brought like really high pressure and didn't, didn't let Io even like have the notion of getting downhill towards the basket because mm-hmm. they had someone there to stop him before he could you know make that move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kofi. I mean, he had five assists on the season. That's probably not enough. And like he had twenty as a freshman, mm-hmm. so he somehow got less inclined to pass out of the post this year. And I mean, I get it when you can drop step and dunk mm-hmm. on somebody. Like I'm fine with that. Like don't pass it out. Yeah, but. Exactly. You got double, triple team sometimes, and like when there's three guys on you mm-hmm. that, you know, there's going to be somebody open on your team that, like, if he just had e- even thought about passing out, I just, it didn't look like he was real interested in doing that. And, and, he, and really, he hadn't all year. And he's seven feet tall. Like, he can, he should be able to see some of the angles, or you would think, and I know it's easy to sit here and dissect and pick apart. Illinois off of a 13-point loss in the second round of the NCAA tournament after they were rolling for two months and were a favorite to potentially reach the national title game, maybe even win the whole thing. But just the – Loyola exposed all of the the flaws yesterday for Illinois and all the kind of maybe worrisome thoughts some Illinois fans had them back of their head of, oh, maybe this team, this happens, this isn't going to go well. And, and that was a huge aspect of Sunday's game is just the ability – or the inability to really just kind of recognize where to move the ball on the court when where the defense was coming from and to get the spot get the ball into to an open teammate's hand. How, how was the crowd over there? As far as I know, that the Illinois fans never got a chance really to to, to make themselves known. But I'm guessing there was a lot of orange and blue in there. Yeah, I would probably say two to one advantage yeah. for Illinois fans in terms of just number of, of fans there. Um, Certainly, a very spread out at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, and it, like, it would have gotten loud had they made a run, no doubt. And they were just kind of helpless; they couldn't help much. Yeah, I think the fans tried, and it seems like you know every segment of that game where like, okay, maybe get loud, and the team will respond. It just it never really happened. Uh, at the end, was, I was kind of looking around, and lots of just like just sitting back in their seats, arms crossed, like they just didn't. They didn't have any answer either. Right. Um, so sort of, I think they saw the writing on the wall there in the last, I don't know, really last eight to ten minutes. There wasn't much chance. 
522 is the time. Let us know what you think. If you want to talk about it, maybe uh, you're moving on. We could talk about that as well. We'll do that coming up. Uh, the number is 217-356-9397. Monday Night Sports Talk. A break, and then we're back with you here on DWS. 526 Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. This is Steve Kelly along with Matt Daniels and Scott Ritchie, and we're with you until 6 o'clock. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Those games uh, already today in the NCAA tournament. Iowa lost to Oregon 95-80. to Oklahoma dropped a an 87-71 to decision to Gonzaga. And UCLA leads Abilene Christian at the well, they're in the second half now, just beginning 33-21. to So you've got Abilene Christian, you've got Oral Roberts, you've got Loyola. Exactly. Just your just your normal run of the mill NCAA tournament blue bloods that are uh, you know peaked their way in onto the uh, second round or beyond. That's why they call it madness. I mean, you this again crazy to think that this could potentially happen, but you could be looking at and I kind of cringe even considering this, but you could be looking at an Oral Roberts Oregon State Final Four game. <laughs> Which is just crazy to think of. I mean, it's leaning in to the madness. Uh, I'm I'm still, I got my my only hopes in my bracket, you know, pinned to to Arkansas. Okay, you're riding the Eric Musselman train. The must bus. You just like his post game celebrations. I mean, you know, when your coach rips off his shirt (laughs) and whips it around his head, I mean, how can he not love it? Jumps up on the table. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look at me. Here I am standing on press row. But, hey, do what you got to do. He's not going to be the Minnesota coach. No. Because Minnesota apparently hired a coach. Yeah, uh, a former gopher uh, and a former gopher assistant and a former assistant at several places in Nebraska, Xavier, Ben Johnson. He was sort of you know critical in you know, landing the Minnesota's class that included Daniel Oturu, who uh, was their, obviously their best player there for a couple seasons. Um, so he's coming home in a way. Um, interesting hire. I mean, there have been more assistants get jobs, uh, sort of high-profile jobs, than, than normal, uh, including you know, UNLV um, hiring mm-hmm. Kevin Kruger, son of Lot. So was, next year in the NCAA tournament, it should be Oklahoma-UNLV first-round matchup. Why and, not? Yeah. I mean, if UNLV is good enough. A Kruger would win. Yeah. I, I mean, and the NCAA likes you know its theater. So why we had Illinois, Loyola, Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know Michigan State, UCLA in the first four. I mean, there's a uh, you have to put the Krugers against each other, but yeah. So it's it's interesting how the the carousel is sort of shaking out so far. And there's still some jobs open. Obviously, the Indiana job is open. Marquette, DePaul, EIU still open. I, I really I was joking with Scott earlier today, but can you imagine if? Uh, Porter, Mo- Porter Moser shown that he is a more than capable college basketball coach with what he did with Iowa in 2018 and taking the Ramblers back to the Sweet 16 this year. But we all have existed in this world where Porter Moser was a coach who got fired at Illinois State. And I was joking with Scott earlier today. Can you imagine if Eastern Illinois would have hired Porter Moser back when he got fired at Illinois State and seeing his career path take off? And, and Scott and I were talking about uh, Moser earlier today and just where he – potentially could go i mean he could stay at Loyola. Uh, i mean he's proven he can win at a high level there the only kind of difficulty with that is you pretty much have to finish first or second in the missouri valley right. to make sure you're 
into the NCAA tournament. Whereas if you take a job at a power five school, if you finish sixth, seventh or eighth, you've got a better shot of getting the NCAA tournament. Marquette to me would make a whole heck of a lot of sense. What about cross town? Yeah, but the thing is, is they've been is, last so long. Is Loyola is it's weird to even consider, but right now Loyola is a much better job than DePaul. But then again, if you even slightly turn DePaul around and they finish fifth, sixth in the Big East, you're pretty much in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, DePaul has finished like last in the Big East um, every year forever at this point. In 10 years, Dave Leto will be back again for his third <laughs> stint. <laughs> so I heard Thad Mata's name uh, yeah, I saw kind that. of uh, related to the Indiana job, and who knows what you hear. Can you imagine if you were to uh, – Hoopston native goes and coaches at Ohio State, has immense success there, and then becomes the Indiana coach – just given his roots and kind of the local connection yeah. to, to... I mean, Illinois. I'd like to think that that's too smart to take the Indiana job. Because well, I, really I, I maintain, like, you better want that because you're going to be miserable. You're going to get a lot of money, though. Yeah. Let's we'll see. You got to balance. balance that. He, he made a fair amount, I, I'd say, coaching Ohio State. Indiana's proven, though, that they have some boosters who have some really <laughs> yeah. deep pockets. How much you need <laughs> exactly. yeah. to get rid of this guy? All right, Cube's got a, what are you going to fork over for the new guy? <laughs> well, it'll be interesting, and that, that'll be some of the uh, conversation. I got a question for you regarding the Big Ten being the kind of the self-proclaimed toughest conference in the country, although a lot of the national guys were saying mm-hmm. that, too. Maybe it was too tough. You know, maybe... You're beating the heck out of each other for 20 games, including the last couple of weeks of the season that were that were compressed in trying to make up games. I don't know. Is that a theory? What do you think? Well, I actually asked Brad Underwood about that. Um, I don't, I can't remember what day I asked him that. <laughs> it's all sort of been the same, and it's all been on Zoom. Uh, but yeah, he sort of you know, said it was you know, NCAA tournament is really just more about matchups and you know, that. Like he understood that the the Big Ten is a grind, but like these are eighteen to twenty two year olds, like they should right. be should be fine. I, I think pound for pound from early December to the second week of March, I think you can argue the Big Ten is the best conference in college basketball almost on an annual basis. But from f- when most of the attention is uh, placed upon college basketball and the NCAA tournament for whatever reason. Big Ten teams are – they struggle in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's hard to fathom that it's been 21 years since the Big Tens had a national champion in Michigan State when they did in 2000. And now you're resting your hopes on a Michigan team that's not at full strength without Isaiah Livers and a Maryland team that you're never a really Maryland sure. A Maryland team that's not going to win the national <laughs> title this year. Well, it got so bad. I forget where I saw this, somewhere online where they, they said that Big Ten was down to like one team, but or two teams left, and they weren't even counting Rutgers and Maryland. They forgot they were in the Big Ten. <laughs> exactly, and, and and Rutgers gets to the second round, and Purdue and Ohio State don't. And I think we can all say that Ohio State was playing some of the best basketball in the country uh, going into the NCAA tournament, even with that loss to Illinois in the Big Ten tournament title game to rattle off three wins in three days to get to the title game and to take Illinois to the brink when Illinois was arguably playing as one of the top two three teams in the country and then they lose in the first round to to Oral Roberts and Purdue I know it wasn't his most talented team but I think we all agree that Matt Painter is a heck of a basketball coach and to see them struggle against 
North Texas. It's just, again, that just speaks to the the beauty of March Madness, but it also just speaks to, like like Scott said with Brad Underwood uh, told him, it all really kind of comes down to matchups and it's all contained in that 40-minute that game. And that may not be indicative of the whole body of work, but it doesn't matter because it's all about just that one game and, and move on. I mean, there were some advanced stats that did, you know, place the Big Ten as not only the best conference this season, by of, I mean, I sort of, Again, uh, you can listen to episode 143 <laughs> of Inside, Inside Illini Basketball everywhere you get your podcasts for more of this, but um, I compared it to how Gonzaga was so far ahead of everyone else on an individual basis. Big Ten was that to other conferences, and just in terms of you know any conference in the last 25 years almost. Um, so there's an argument to be made, and there, I've seen people on Twitter – just the best people on Twitter. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, that was just a. <laughs> There's some not so good people. On yeah, there. just uh, it was a you know a media narrative, and no one was actually saying that. It was like, well, Brad Underwood said that the Big Ten was maybe the best conference of all time this year. So, uh, well, he was looking at the numbers too, and then it's March, and if you play one bad game, well, that is it. And um, I think it's it's what. We all sort of enjoy about the NCAA tournament, except you know when it's your team that comes out on the wrong side of the the scoreboard. Well, that's the thing with Illinois too. They, they went twenty four and seven this year. They, they won nineteen Big Ten games combined in the regular season in the Big Ten tournament. And I really, I'm hard pressed to even think of like a maybe the the first half against Northwestern back in January, or you know even stretches maybe in the Baylor game. Even even their losses this season, though they were they hung with Baylor in a, in a game they that played thirty five good minutes exactly in, in a game that at that juncture in the season Illinois was the underdog to Baylor and if they were to beat Baylor in that top five showdown that would have vaulted Illinois into maybe they're the number one team in the country the loss at Missouri they exposed some flaws but you had Io Desumu playing like an All American keeping them in the game giving them a shot to win the game late and yesterday they're just there was never any, like we've just we've addressed on, on here before, and I guess we sound like a broken record now, a half under the show. There just was never any rhythm for Illinois yesterday, and it was just kind of jarring to see because you hadn't seen that pretty much at all for their first thirty games this season. Well, they had been the team smacking other teams in the face. Exactly, and, uh, they got smacked and uh, didn't respond. The number is two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Barely. People have given up, not given up, but have decided to move on. The the bandwagon got a lot less uh, crowded Sunday afternoon. Which is okay. There were a lot of of bandwagon jumpers. Maybe that'll get them fired up, Steve. Well, I don't know. I'm just (laughs) stating it as I see it, and we can define bandwagon jumpers in different ways, I suppose. Where do you think Loyola would have finished in the Big Ten? If they... I mean... Trying to balance, you know, they're probably not going to play like they did Sunday every single game. Exactly. Uh, you know. Middle of the pack. And I, I say mean, that, I think in the top half. I, I think so, but I say that also with, you know, you, you seem to know everything about your conference members and everybody scouts, you know, you play most people twice and how would they have done there? I thought at least midway I and mean, probably in the, in the upper half. Yeah, they, they've got the thing that, that one of the things that really separated themselves 
yesterday was just the play of Cameron Crutwig. I mean, he was he controlled what they did offensively throughout that entire game. Their entire offense ran through him, and Illinois really never seemed to have an answer for trying to slow them slow them down at all. And, and they were a veteran team that didn't make many mistakes, and they forced Illinois into making mistakes. I mean, Iota Sumo had six turnovers. Uh, Andre Corbello had four turnovers. That was 10 of the 17 turnovers for Illinois. And when Illinois is playing its best basketball, they're really moving the ball at a quick pace. They're getting up and down the floor. Uh, they're getting some easy baskets. They're getting some quick hitters. And when uh, Illinois had to go into a half-court offense yesterday, if they weren't able to get downhill off a ball screen right away, they just they seem lost. And, and bring up the fact, too, that Trent Frazier – Struggled shooting the ball yesterday. It was one of ten, oh of five from from three. That's something we hadn't really seen much here in these last two months from the senior guard for Illinois. And of all the guards yesterday that Illinois had and put in the game, I think the one that played the best was Adam Miller. I mean, I would say the two players that like looked like they were ready for that level game were the two freshman mm-hmm. guards. And Andre Cabello, obviously, the four turnovers wasn't great, but he, you know stuff the stat sheet like he mm-hmm. does but like they looked like they were ready to like ball out mm-hmm. and i'm not sure the rest of their teammates were at that same level yeah and, and demonte williams you, you don't look for him for much scoring at all but you do look for consistent defense and and to knock down the occasional one or two three pointers and, and to give illinois a boost that way and and georgie bashansvili i mean illinois does not win a big 10 tournament championship without georgie bashansvili i think that's pretty self-explanatory the way he played in the second half against Ohio State when Kofi Coburn had foul troubles Illinois Big Ten tournament champs because of Georgia Bichonsville they sure could have used the Georgia Bichonsville that showed up against Ohio State against Loyola Chicago on Sunday it is moving up on 540 we'll keep the phone line open uh, 217-356-9397 if you would like to join us to talk about Illinois basketball or maybe Illinois football spring practice starts tomorrow Matt's getting fired up about that we'll uh talk about that as well we'll take a time out and be back here on monday night sports talk on dws stay with us Five forty-three monday night sports talk here on news talk 1400 dws pat daniels sports editor of the news gazette scott ritchie basketball beat writer and yours truly steve kelly with you until six o'clock with the phone line open 217-356-9397 so Guys, since I'm firing the questions around, uh-huh. here's one for you. So how does yesterday's loss, I'll start with you, Scott, being uh, the guy that's seen just about every game. Certainly you've seen every game and you were at most of the games. How does this team now rank in your mind? There was a lot of talk ahead of time of comparing them with the 05 team and the Flying Illini and people were trying to come up with a nickname and all that stuff. How far down that list do they drop with a second round loss? It's interesting. Uh, I'll start with uh, they don't need a nickname. Please stop. <laughs> okay. um, there's, just, there's not like a natural one. You don't get a nickname and certainly if you don't go to the Final Four. Yeah. Um, I mean I think I I still don't want to pick between 89 and 05. Um so let's call them 1A and 1B. I'm not going to tell you which one's A or B. Um, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Flying line eye all the way. but Yeah. Uh, then I think a third, like, I don't know, 2001 team is probably exactly. better. Um, they made the Elite Eight. Um, Should have probably made another Final Four, except for, like, the entire team fouling out, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I think, I don't know, slot this one, this year's team 
in fourth, I guess. I mean, they did win more Big Ten games than any other team. Of course, there are more Big Ten games now than right. there used to be. But Big Ten Tournament Championship, I think, is uh, I mean, it's a, a feather in the cap and you know, number one seed is as well. But for sure, 89-05-01, I think all should be ranked higher. I, I agree. And you can make a case that this team might be comparable to the 83-84 co-Big Ten champions that went 15-3 and three mm-hmm. yep. and lost to Kentucky down there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then if you want to go way back, I didn't see the Wiz kids, but a lot of people did. So there's some good teams uh, certainly the, to be considered. I say the Wiz kids had to be good. <laughs> they did? got a nickname. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best nicknames. Uh, I mean, so much of a team's legacy is, is tied to what they do in, in March and the NCAA tournament and you think back to last season's team, the 2019-2020 team, uh, just so much un, untapped potential because we never saw them get the chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Who knows, maybe that team would have made gone on a run like they were capable of and, and gone to the Final Four. Uh, we, we just will never know. And this year's team, I don't think Sunday's loss should diminish what they accomplished these past, let's say, eight months or so since they came back on campus. Last June, because this was a season unlike any other in, in Illinois basketball history, they had to deal with constant daily testing for a potentially deadly virus, playing amid a pandemic, playing in front of no fans. Like, I, it's just crazy to think of that for especially college basketball. And I think we all can think back to March 8th, 2020, Illinois Iowa game at a sold out State Farm Center and the rocking atmosphere that that was. And then to go from that to nothing and to still play at such a high level like they did all season, I think almost takes more mental capabilities than anything else. So I think this team, yeah, it would have been great to see them go on a run to the Final Four, maybe even get to the National Championship. But I still think this team is going to be recognized well into the future based on what they did. Because like I would assume you said yesterday, this – this team kind of brought Illinois basketball back to where it should be and has come to expect to be. Now the key, though, for Brad Underwood and his staff and the returning players is to keep that that same level of expectations. As we sit here today, a day after the season ended, I think it's safe to say that you look ahead to next season, how f- foolish that may be since it's eight months away, but on paper right now, this next year's team is not going to be as good as this year's one i think that's a safe assessment to make the day after the season we don't know who's going to come back who's going to leave that's the that's the asterisk exactly we don't know who's going to stay on the roster what additions brad underwood might make at all but um i don't think sunday's loss should be the one and only thing you think of when you think of the 2020-21 illinois basketball i agree you you could uh if you were going to give them a nickname you could maybe work pandemic into it somehow. <laughs> they at least gave people something to think about and something to get behind, even if they couldn't see them in person. Uh, so you've got that. And they they won 24 ball games and certainly had some outstanding players. Now, now the question becomes, who stays and who goes? And we want to kick that around a little bit. But I was going to ask you, Scott, that what are the guys doing right now? Were they, are they allowed to go home now that their season's over? Can they go home and see their folks for the first time in a while? Well, I think so. I mean, because they, they came back you know, kind of early evening last night. And right. you know, there was a small group there to greet them. And, like, 
Zach Griffith's mom was there to get her hug after for the first time sure. in nine mm-hmm. months. So I, I think you know they've been released, so to speak. <laughs> sounds awful. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's they kept a because of what the Big Ten tournament and NCAA mm-hmm. tournament what it was going to do. They kept like a thirty-four person bubble the entire season. That's um, amazing in its own self that they were able to do that. Yeah, and they did it well. They had zero positive tests since August. Um, when I think, you know, 20-some, however many thousand people came back to Champagne for the start of the school year. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they can certainly probably widen their circles. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you want to yet would be the question. I'd be. Right. But I can see uh, an instance where, you know, Iodosumu, I think all these guys are taking online classes anyway. Sure. Uh, because that was an option. Um, I can see a case where, like, he goes home to Chicago and starts putting in his work for the NBA draft and, you know, finishing his academic year at home, either, you know, working with his dad, get, I assume, I mean, he's going to have a trainer of of some sort and just, you know, take that next step. So, I mean, I think that's a, a possibility for him. Of course, he's got a pretty good facility right here in Champaign, you know, in the time being. But, yeah, I think it's uh, the, the, lo- the season lockdown is over. Uh, so it's just they've got to make smart Adult decisions kind of on their own now. Does Kofi Coburn come back next year, Scott? Do you try to answer that in Tuesday's news gazette? Yeah, um, I can see it both ways. One, you want to strike while the iron is hot in terms of kind of your profile, and I don't think it can get much better for Kofi Coburn. I mean, I, th- I mean, there is obviously another level, first team All American, um, which if he comes back, I think he can certainly get. But it's more about if he comes back, the improvements he makes to his game defensively is big, and then you know, becoming a little more multi-dimensional offensively. His name is not really popping in a lot of mock drafts, but someone somewhere will pay him a fairly substantial amount of money to play basketball next year. It's just it depends on kind of what he wants. Because Iowa's a rare case where you come back for three years and like his stock, his NBA draft stock plummeted as a sophomore and then just got an incredible spark this year. That's not typical. So Kofi, I think, has to weigh that. So I, I, mean, I think the to make a short answer long, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> but there are, there are two, I think, reasonable paths that he can take and still, you know, at the end of it, have a successful professional bas- basketball career well he'll certainly put his name in for mm-hmm. consideration and see what kind of feedback he gets there maybe the, the bigger questions might be what are some of the guys the, the seniors that do they want to become super seniors and uh, what uh, they're going to do and trent and Demonte, i've heard that conversation go back and forth allegedly because i haven't heard it from them what yeah, they're thinking i mean they were both asked like directly uh, before senior night if they were you know even contemplating taking advantage of this bonus year of eligibility, and uh, we did not get an answer, which I think is an answer. I don't, I mean, Trent said he wasn't really focused on it, but again, both those guys next year could get paid to play basketball. So, I mean, that's, I think, has to be a, and both will have their degrees. It's not like they're they're bailing without that. Right. So, again, you got to weigh it, but I would be surprised if either came back. And then Tyler Underwood could, in theory, come back for a seventh season. Um, I think, you know, 
Brad Underwood has said that he would maybe it's probably time to <laughs> give him the boot <laughs> to see what else is out there. Uh, Get out of the house, kid. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, and he's going to s- stick with basketball, though. I mean, sure. Gonna, I think he'll pursue a, a coaching career again, as Brad said, perhaps to his mother's chagrin. Plus, Brad needs to know who's coming and who's not, so he can go recruit. Yeah. And, and recruit with the, the knowledge of knowing how many spots he's got open. Well, the thing with, with Trindamante is they won't count against I get that. the scholarship. But it might affect <laughs> yeah. who decides they want to come. Yeah, because there'll be minutes that yeah. they don't get. So, I mean, in that way, their decision is important. Um, yeah, I think spring and summer could be wild. And the NCAA has not yet said that every transfer is going to have immediate eligibility, but the, the likelihood of that happening is pretty strong, and that will just be – I mean, it's free agency in college basketball, uh, which is fine. Like, the coaches can leave for a new job, and there's like they don't have to sit out a year. Right. And I think it's fine for the players, but it's just it's going to create like you won't know what the next Illinois basketball team is until I think until everyone's here in August. So, be kind of up in the air until then. Well, it was July last year when, before we found out about Io and. Kofi. July, yeah. July 31st and August 1st. And then, I don't know, when did Brandon Lieb I think get that his was scholarship? Bef- I think that, that was, was before. That before? I think it was in June. There's no IO declared he was coming back on a Friday night at like 8.30, so we had to re-scramble Saturday sports section. Well, I remember in theory, I was still on vacation at that time. <laughs> so. I yeah, remember it well because it was the week that Lou Henson died. That's right. And we had Mary Henson sitting where you're sitting, mm-hmm. and IO made that decision that Friday night. Yes. That uh, turned out to be the the lead story going into the lead story. <laughs> That's crazy to think about that that week now in in hindsight of of everything that that transpired in that seven day period. You picked a heck of a time to go on vacation last year, Scott. Yeah, I, I should have timed it a little bit better because I still think I had a Zoom with Io like my last official day of vacation. Need to take one final break at five fifty five. We'll do that and be back with some final words on Monday Night Sports Talk after this. We've kind of uh, exhausted most of our time talking about uh, Illinois basketball, Big Ten basketball, college basketball. By the way, UCLA has a 20-point lead over Abilene Christian in the game that's going on right now. So in the NCAA tournament, if you're still watching, I'm going to get on the, uh, speaking of bandwagons, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to pull for Loyola the rest of the week. Yeah, why not? That way you can say if you're an Illinois fan, you lost to the national champions. Yeah. I'm going to ride with my Jayhawks the rest of the way. Spring so tonight. Sp- yeah, tonight, exactly. Spring then fire Bill football Fell. practice starting That's crazy. tomorrow. Starts tomorrow. Ryan Walters, Tony Peterson, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator at Illinois. Both had Zoom calls about an hour and a half ago. Uh, Brett Bielema's first Illinois team gets going tomorrow morning. We'll have full coverage in Tuesday's News Gazette and also Wednesday's News. The rest of the week, it's, it's football season now. They're going to practice on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays. Have a spring game on Monday night, April 19th. Hope for good weather. Yeah. And uh, don't know for sure. I guess maybe the answer is no right now on fans of that. But I suppose it could change. Could change. We live in an evolving world, Steve. That's right. Matthew, thank you, my friend. Thanks, Steve. Scott, good to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Hope you get some vacation time. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.